Good evening and happy last day of Women's History Month to our neighbors and listeners. Coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown, you are listening to the award-winning InfoHub Hour with Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Join. And I'm Maleka Fruin, and I'm here with Bayou, an eight-month-old baby. I live here in Germantown with my family, and the Germantown InfoHub Radio Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website, just like Vayu was saying, germantowninfohub.org. Now let's get to our show. As we approach the spring season, it's a good time to begin taking a look at projects around the neighborhood that encourage the expansion of greenery and green spaces. If you aren't familiar, Germantown has a very rich botanical history, and that legacy continues to thrive through the various groups and individuals in the community working to preserve and sustain that green culture. Recently, a Germantown resident began garnering attention and interest for a new possible community group to help build a food forest in Fern Hill Park. While it is still relatively new, we will hear from Jaron Olewski about the project and see where he is headed. And then we'll hear from folks in community with Jim Bear, who sadly passed away this month. Jim created G-Town Radio and went on to manage the station, leaving it in good hands with community members who see each other as family. They'll be talking about his strengths as a leader and as a human, and the joys and challenges that come with building a radio station from the ground up. Yep, yep, yep. And today we dedicate this show to him, as we are forever grateful to have the opportunity to be a part of something he created not only for him, but for the entire Germantown community. And we thank all of the people who agreed to lend their voices to this project. And shout out to Maleka for producing this particular segment. <laughs> Loved hearing the stories. Period. Well, there is no need to keep folks waiting. So let's start today's show by introducing Jaren Olefsky, the project creator for the new Fern Hill Park Food Forest. So introduce yourself to our listeners. All right, my name is Jaren Olefsky. Uh, I, I live here in Germantown in the southwestern quadrant, if you will, um, near, right around the corner from this very large and wonderful old park um, called Fern Hill, Fern Hill Park. And that's where this, this uh, sort of orchard food forest, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> project is, is starting to come to life. So tell us what a food forest is since we're on the topic now. All right, I'll do, I'll do my best. Um, it can get, it can get a little, little vague, but um, a food forest, as I see it, is kind of, it, it, it's like an orchard, but, uh, but also at the same time mimicking uh, a more dynamic ecosystem that occurs naturally in a forest. So in a forest, you have, you have multiple layers, right? So you have your, your tallest trees that give you your biggest canopy, but then underneath the shade of that canopy, there's other, other types of plants and trees and shrubs and ground cover down to mushrooms and fungi and mycelium that are all part of this larger ecosystem that cohabitate together, that help each other, um, and that exist in, in a really incredible ecosystem. So food forest is kind of like 
the food part of it is is the you know our intention of of getting getting the tastiest things that 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 we like to enjoy but um making a design uh that that seeks to 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 mimic that that forest kind of ecosystem and sort of give give the plants sort of like what what they need um and other varieties that will like commingle in a, in a good way i hope that made sense but no it, no it 100 does basically it's like a replication of something that's larger of course in the ecosystem but you take it minimize it and make it into like kind of what you want and like manipulate things how you want it to kind of structure right <laughs> yeah it's like somewhere in between like i feel like a lot of a lot of our ways of thinking about growing food or farming tends to be a lot just a little bit narrower as far as you know it's more like employing a very specific whether it's fruit tree or vegetable crop or whatever to to grow but we sort of just look at that but this kind of approach is a little bit i guess it's a little bit more holistic you're looking at creating a whole a whole environment that includes other types of things that that work well together um so and that that just interested me a lot and there's there's a place there's a place for it all of course um but but that's kind of what what I was trying to jumpstart a little bit here so i noticed you you definitely said some things work over others so what things do you well like what things traditionally worked or have you done one before or is this have, your first one? Okay. I'm, I'm a very, yeah, I, I have, I'll just put it right out there that I'm, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm not a, a I, I don't do any of this uh, by, by trade. Like I'm, I'm mostly a musician <laughs> in my career and stuff, but, but for a while I, I, I love, I love growing food. I've um, done a lot of gardening at home and I've just been really interested in it. Um, and then the last couple of years, I became more interested in some of this type of gardening, if you will, like more, uh, I guess, permaculture type approaches. Um, and I was really into the idea of starting some kind of growing project, community sort of growing project in the park. Um, and over some trial and error and just like mulling it over, it seemed like this type of thing made made most sense based on um, based on where interest level was at and what would be required for maintenance and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So that makes sense. So let me rephrase it and ask, what things would you like to see in the food forest as it like progresses then? Um, well, we... So far, we have, I think, about 13 trees there right now, fruit, fruit trees, and probably going to get a couple more. So that, that's, that's our starting point, and that's going to be, in, in this situation, that's going to be our, our canopy. So some, sometimes the food forest model will have uh, nut trees that grow much larger as the ultimate canopy, but um, I'm keeping like fruit trees as, as the tallest thing. So hopefully 
in a few years, some of them faster than others, but in a few years, those will start um, becoming more mature and, and producing stuff. And then as, as we go along in the next year or two, we'll plant other things um, below it and some other shrubs and berries and herbaceous stuff. And I mean, what I, what I hope is that it sort of becomes a communal effort and that people have fun with it that kids can learn some stuff that adults can learn some stuff and that I will I will definitely learn a lot and that it can be something that's sort of enjoyable to maintain and and, and work on and that because we'll also hopefully enjoy the fruits of it yeah so you're in the early stages and so you were talking about the community involvement so what has that looked like thus far? You know, you're still in the early stages of getting given, but yeah. how has that looked? Um, right now, um, there were just, I was, I was trying, to, trying to make some connections over the last year and definitely in the fall when, when we were looking at getting trees and stuff. It's, um, uh, we kind of we organized things out of the, the friends group a lot of the parks in the city have a, a, a friends group, like sort of neighborhood group that's connected to the city. So we have the friends of Fernhill. Park. Yeah. Yep. And we have like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like we have the friends yeah. of Vernon park, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Angela miles over there is a good friend of ours and does amazing stuff with, with Vernon park. Um, but so that's, that's where we're sort of like stemming from, from an organizational stance, but but I've been trying to reach out to people. Some some people I just met because I've been tinkering around with this little plot that I made at the, the beginning of when the world shut down, so to speak. But uh, I got I, I sort of impulsively um, did a little rogue gardening plot, like right on the edge of of where the food forest site is now. So some people spotted me as just the weird dude um growing some random stuff in the park and we got to talking and um made a connection that way but uh to answer your question more directly what does it look like now we got some trees in have made a lot more connections in the neighborhood and just it was just last week or the week week before um that we had sort of an official work day where I, I put out that post, which is, I guess, what, what you caught wind of on the, on the friend's Facebook page and texted a few people. And we had like a really, we had a really nice turnout of people to help, um, to help sheet mulch the area. Um, and by sheet mulch, it basically just means laying down a ton of newspaper cardboard around the, in the area around the trees, um, and then putting as much wood chips on top of it as you can. And, and that basically serves to block the really aggressive vines and weeds and stuff that, that's coming up that, that we don't want to. But then long-term, it'll also break down and um, improve, improve the soil for, planting in the future so it's kind of like a twofold um process but it but it involves <laughs> doing a lot of a lot of cardboard 
laying down and a lot of uh, shoveling mulch. So I was really, really stoked to to see people from the neighborhood and even kind of like the outskirts of the neighborhood. Um, a couple people just kind of kind of showed up um, to help out. Um, and yeah, it was it was really nice. So we had that and and so now I've kind of solidified some of those those connections and hopefully as the weather's getting warmer and you know things are overall a little bit less restrictive I feel like um those connections will hopefully just keep growing um yeah and so I'm I'm hoping for as as much input and involvement as possible but I think that's good, though. I know you say people were looking at you at like the weird guy who was just planting stuff and gardening. But like, that's always impactful, though, right? When people feel comfortable enough, at least to be like, oh, OK, well, at least I can talk to this person and like ask a little bit more about it. And like that connection, I find to actually be more interesting than somebody like me who was able to just see what you were doing via Internet, because that's commonly now where people figure things out at. So to be able to actually get that in-person impact still feels like a win in a sense, because even when Maleka and I, so Maleka is my co-host who's not here with us yeah. right now, but even when she and I might go out and table at different like community events and organize, you know, just different community events, sometimes we just table just because and there's literally nothing going on. Like we were in front of Vernon Park a few Saturdays ago and we literally only spoke to three people, but within those three conversations, they were very impactful because like people learned a little bit more about us. We got some story ideas from them specifically about them or things like, you know, that related to where they were. And yeah, it served as more purposeful interaction, more purposeful trust building and just more purposeful like outreach. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's feels interesting. That, that, that is Germantown right there. Cause I, I feel like when we've when we've had friends and family come to visit who and just been out and about, um, people have really noticed that, especially people people that that aren't from here, they notice that exact thing that you're talking about, where you go out and and people are are willing to strike up a conversation and a very real conversation, you know, and mm -hmm. and I just. I, I love it when you can get that when you can you can just start talking to somebody in the park and um and really find out some some great stories from from people and what what folks are up to yeah and they call germantown a place of friends but it like really is a place of friendly people though like we were yeah. we were also supposed to be like well we did we worked with some temple students and so they came out to the community and did some stuff with us. And, you know, they asked us beforehand if there's anything we should worry about. And we were like, just worry about engaging in too much conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they laughed, but like, they understood, you know, when they actually came, they understood, like people were friendlier than you would believe, right? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't get highlighted enough about just in general, Philadelphia, like not just Germantown, but Philadelphia in general, there are really some friendly people here. <laughs> and I, I appreciate it. And there, there's, there's plenty of unfriend, unfriendly people as well, but, it, but it's, but it's raw. <laughs> yeah, it's like authentic. I think the authenticity of like those two polar sides, those two dynamics, polar sides are still, it's still, there's still some magic to it somehow. 
Um, <laughs> if I want to phrase it like that, it's magic, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, if, if anything, if anything comes from this this project, like already, just from doing a little bit, I've met I've met a lot of great people that are are so close by, so close by that I I just had never had never met before, and. So already that that feels like a net a net gain. Um, it's like when the the goat project, the Philly goat project came to, um, they they let the goats come to our park for a few weeks to 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 munch down some of the overgrowth and poison ivy areas near near the playground. There's a lot of poison ivy in the park, um, but the so we had the goats come and overnight they would stay at our our wonderful neighbors across the street they let the goats crash in their backyard and every morning they walk them to this designated area that they had brought some fencing for and the goats would just hang out in the park and just eat away at at all the, the vines and poison ivy but like it it really it really did bring the neighborhood together just just from doing that and walking some goats around and saying hi to them, checking in on them. Um, so it's cool. And like, and, and having the park there, there, there's a lot of surrounding area to it. So there's a lot of people there and, and it is a good, it's a good meeting place. It's a good focal point and it's a, it's a beautiful park. So um, yeah, I, I feel like it has more potential um to to keep to keep building connections in that in those kind of ways and just speaking about the overall outcome of what's to come from of course the food forest so when anything develops as far as like the goods do you like intend to sell them give them out what's the plan like around that or is it just like a communal picking like you know people see it come take some i don't know like you know what's your process for that and we that that is Definitely TBD, but it depends on a few things. I, de- I mean, I definitely want the, the, the fruits of, of all this to, to be able to be distributed in as best a way possible um, to, to folks in the, in, in the area. Um, Philly Orchard Project, I, I've sort of roped into this a little bit they, and they, they are helping out. And I know that they, I mean, they, they have so much experience with this. So I know that they have experience with figuring out um, various types of distribution. Um, uh, so I'll be looking to them for advice on that. And then also another person um, who's incredible, uh, who we, we sort of, consulted with um on the initial tree planting is this guy michael muhlbauer who is also involved with with pop philly orchard project but um but also started his own nonprofit called sustain a culture and he uh helped create a very large food forest right near strawberry mansion um i still have yet to to go there i really want to but um, he's done a lot of incredible work with this stuff. And so I know that he's figured out various ways of, uh, distributing stuff, but also I think they, they had, uh, I remember him mentioning they had a, 
they had sort of a community um dinner or like sort of a potluck where they were they were there was a lot of food but they used a lot of the food that they grew in dishes to to have uh an event where they could they could eat all together so i like all those things like it's cool to have an event where you harvest things together and are there together eating the food but it's also great to just have have a way to distribute stuff to people individually so my guess is that it'll probably be a mixture a mixture of those things whatever seems to make most sense that being said it's going to be it's going to be probably a few years till we have much to distribute and yeah. the other big factor is how much of it is going to be nabbed by squirrels and deer um but so for all those reasons i'm sort of like i'm not crossing that bridge quite yet um but my hope is that if, if all goes well we'll get some good harvest and you know hopefully as, as many people as possible can enjoy it that sounds good sounds like a responsible plan to me um so how would people who want to get interested or involved you know reach out to help well that's <laughs> I love that um well I mean, anyone is free to contact me directly or if they, I, I sort of, I put out word for this on the Facebook page. I'm not, I, that's pretty much all I'm using Facebook for at this point, but I, I will check and get messages on there. So if you see Friends of Fern Hill Park, um, that's where the post I made is there. You could look up my name, Jaron Olesky, contact me that way. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, um, I'm trying to keep it so that the work needed to be done is not too intense. I was, I was trying to, because I, I didn't know what, what community involvement was going to look like quite yet, too. So I didn't want to get too in over my head. Um, but but we'll just be we're planning on on planting more things and some smaller shrubs and things like that um, in early May. And and then I, I like the momentum is just kind of getting going. So I'm part of this it, to answer the question is like I'm just figuring it out as, as I go. But anyone who wants to get involved, I, I would love to have their you know input and if they want to come out and work on stuff there's, there's always, there's always going to be something at least to check on or to do, I'm sure. Um, there's also, um, I'm, some people have, have mentioned now that I've talked with more folks have mentioned the idea of like a community garden and stuff like that, which is something that I thought about initially, but I didn't, I hadn't connected with as many people then. And it seems like for a community garden where you're, have raised beds and grown crops like that. Um, it's a different sort of, uh, there's there's different work that goes into that and there's different organization that goes into that. And you kind of, you need a solid core of people who are pretty dedicated to it. Um, but I mean, I, I love all of it. I would love to see all of it happen. I just, yeah, I just didn't want to get ahead of myself. But um, But so if anyone is curious about that, I mean, maybe maybe this just serves as a jumping off point to connect people who want to do other types of 
food growing projects. Maybe, maybe, maybe there are enough people in the neighborhood who really do want to do a community garden stuff. And I did find out some, some things about what needs to happen to do that. And I've made some connections with folks who could help out with that. So, you know, maybe it can help spawn separate, separate projects too. So anyways, uh, I, I love to connect and talk about this stuff. So yeah, anyone can feel free to reach out. And is there just any last thing that you want to share or just that you think is important um, about this? I mean, I, I feel like I want to, I want to talk about all the, all the people that have uh, like inspired me to, to, to do something like this or to just even to get interested in it, the people doing such great urban forestry and growing food projects of various types um, in this area and around the city, like Michael Muehlbauer, like Amanda Staples, Germantown Kitchen Garden. She's incredible. Uh, and Jasmine Thompson. I know you've, you've talked to some of these people, but like they're, they're, they're the real deal. Um, and, and I mean, I've, I've heard of other smaller neighborhood community things going on and, I don't know. I just think, I think anything of this nature that has to do with trees, growing food, and combining that with with community efforts, you know, it is, the world is having a hard time <laughs> in a lot of ways, and it's it's hard to know what to do. Mm -hmm. But stuff like this, it kind of just checks a lot of boxes as far as doing something that feels like meaning meaningful even if it's just in itself small actions mm -hmm. um, it's growing things it's getting connected to nature and it's getting connected to the people in our local community so um i don't know it feels it feels worth worthwhile once again, that was Jaren Olewski. If you want to get in touch with him about the project, please feel free to reach out to him directly. And once again, thanks to Jaren for talking to the Info Hub about this project. And now let's move our show along. While we don't have a full reporter roundup today, I would like to remind folks that the spring cleanup will take place this Saturday, and there are multiple sites around the Germantown area from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. The Streets Department's signature event has served as the city's largest cleanup event taking place citywide in a single day. And while residents can no longer register for their own project, they can still register as a volunteer for an existing project at phillyspringcleanup.com. Again, there are various events happening around the 19138 and 19144 areas like Chew and Shout Inn, East Worcester Street, Knox and Hansberry, Newhall Street, and so many more. But remember, you must register first at phillyspringcleanup.com. We encourage folks to get out the house, beautify your neighborhood, and have some fun while doing it. Thanks for that, Rashid. And now we get to listen to a collection of voices who've gotten to work closely with Jim Bear over the years. And they will share their experiences with him and give some of their final goodbyes. This one's for you, Jim. Roll the tape. My name is Pete Tredish, and I met Jim Baer uh, when I was working on an internet radio station called Radio Volta uh, back around 2001 or so. I am a radio engineer. 
Uh, so I build uh, radio stations, their antennas, their transmitters, their studios, and I've been an advocate on uh, changing the ownership and consolidation of media uh, over the years since uh, the late 90s. I think Jim heard about us because of all the work that we did in connection with the Republican National Convention uh, when it came to Philadelphia in 2000. And from that came uh, an internet station. I had earlier run a pirate station called Radio Mutiny in West Philadelphia uh, with a whole bunch of friends. And, and so after that had gotten busted, a lot of us still wanted to do radio and uh, we were looking for different ways. And most of my work was to try to uh, change the regulations at the FCC and then later uh, to uh, pass a new law, which allowed low power FM stations to start around the country. So for that, I started a group with a bunch of friends called the Prometheus Radio Project. And um, so that was like the sort of policy level way that we were trying to address the ownership and control of media in the United States. And at the same time, a lot of us wanted to be on the radio and there was no legal way to do it at the time. And so Radio Volta was a group of uh, former Radio Mutiny DJs plus other people that we had met in, in uh, activist circles uh, in order to uh, you know, find a way to create community radio. So uh, Radio Volta uh, started operating on the internet, I think in 2000 or so. And, uh, you know, we were steadily building up and people were hearing of us. And I, I think that Jim heard about us in an article in the Philadelphia Weekly um, and wrote to us and said he'd like to be involved. I can't quite remember I think he had been involved in college radio before. And once he wasn't in college, he wanted to, you know, find some way to continue because it was something that he really cared about. And he found us. And uh, of course, the, you know, we were building this radio station from nothing with no real money, with no like overall structure and out of an activist culture that was just sort of trying to put everything together with the things that we found in the trash and the, the, the sort of things that were left behind. And uh, so he jumped in and uh, very quickly, he became a real, uh, he was an interesting guy. He, he did not in any way sort of seek the spotlight or leadership. And um, I can't remember anyone ever having an argument with him. And I, I can't think of anyone <laughs> that no one had an argument with <laughs> during that time. But he was, uh, he was just very, very solid, very practical. Uh, you know, he would do his best to understand the problems that the stations have and step in. And uh, he was very quiet in the time that I knew him. Uh, and uh, he always kind of just like, uh, kept his mouth shut until he said exactly the right thing. <laughs> like, you know, like he, he had no need to like sort of play out his dramas or whatever, but, but he was always the person that had the most current version of the phone list. Uh, he always, you know, like found the donated computer that we needed. He always like figured out the software problem. And um, 
yeah. And while we were struggling with like, you know, finding ways to keep a roof over our heads and, you know, and dealing with people's personality conflicts, or, you know, harassment or this or that or the other thing, he just, you know, kept on making it work. Uh, so I was very excited, you know, after our, the, the thing about Radio Volta was that we built it when broadband connections were very uncommon. You couldn't even get broadband in lots of West Philly. So like our listeners would have to either listen to us over dial up or, or maybe they could listen to us like if they had a job in a university or some kind of access. But it was, it, was a, it was a weird moment for internet radio because not very many people had heard of it and a lot of people couldn't really get it and people didn't really use computers that way. It was before the internet had migrated to phones. And so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we could see that it was gonna grow, but at the time it just, it wasn't able to do what we wanted it to do, which was to be a replacement for a radio station. Um, which we couldn't get legally at that time. So over the years, finally, we made it, we, we won, uh, and we made it so that you legally could get a radio station. By that time, internet radio was much more common and many more people were able to pick up on a, an internet radio station. So I was really excited when, um, instead of schlepping down to our part of town for our quasi-dysfunctional attempts at making radio, he you know, he launched uh, something in Germantown and, uh, and eventually was able to win uh, one of the FM licenses that, that we were able to, um, you know, pry loose from the federal government. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it was just, uh, and I couldn't have thought of someone who would be better suited to, you know, to, to make it work, um, you know, without, uh, you know, he was just the sort of person who led not by grandstanding or, you know, or virtue signaling or, you know, or any of these other things. He just, he just did what needed to get done. Uh, and, uh, and really, you know, put the project first. So over time, I mean, I think he definitely wanted, uh, you know, he was living in Germantown and so it was always a little funny that he was coming to the West Philly radio station to be involved in it. And I think in part, he was trying to, you know, learn from what we were doing. There wasn't very much to learn. We didn't know what we were doing, but, um, but, uh, but he had a real will to, you know, to be involved in a radio project. And so when this one, uh, kind of fell apart from a combination of just like the world not quite being quite ready for internet radio and you know the constraints at the time he um, saw the opportunity to to do something similar in in Germantown I, I think that, that that really made a lot of sense I think uh, I'm, I'm just really um, impressed with his accomplishments of him I'm impressed with how uh, under his leadership, the station turned out uh, and and how he was able to sort of, uh, yeah, I, you know, ha having watched, I, I in, in my line of work, I've met so many station founders uh, that are often 
um, just really interesting, quirky characters. They're often like a little bit larger than life in some way. They're sort of, uh, they're often very charismatic and, and tend to grandstand and have like some like big drama around them. And, and they fold a lot of their personality into the station. And it's interesting how that's the case with Jim because he, he was none of that. <laughs> he was like very, uh, he was just very level-headed and, and he didn't rely on, you know, being able to make big speeches or like grandstand or like, he, he was just like eminently practical, friendly to everyone and, um, you know, listened well, uh, paid attention to problems and addressed them as they came up. And often lots of people will never know the problems he addressed before they came up. And uh, so in, in that way, I feel like so many radio station founders, the station like takes on a lot of their personality and their personal strengths and weaknesses and so on. In Jim's case, I feel like, uh, I, like he was able to stand back a lot and, and like let it be really what it should be, an expression of all the other people that were involved in it. Um, and uh, so I was always very, very impressed by, by, by that in him. I'm Tom Cassetta. I'm the uh, station manager here at G-Town Radio, uh, 92.9 FM, WGGT LP. I met Jim, uh, like I think many people met Jim who are part of the radio project here, is I got curious to get back into doing radio and community radio in particular. I had been involved in it in my 20s and I had missed it greatly. And so just kind of researching around for community media opportunities in Philadelphia, uh, I came across G-Town Radio and it was in my backyard, you know, so it seemed obvious to reach out to Jim. I sent him an email saying, I, here's a brief bit about my background and I'd like to be part of the station. Uh, tell me more. And I met with him literally, I sent the email on um, Tuesday morning and met with him Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> so we've, we've made time. Uh, we were, the station was in the process of moving from upstairs to downstairs. We had a, a conversation just about uh, the radio station, uh, Germantown, uh, and then the conversation started talking about him and his background. And I just like enjoyed his company so much that I walked out of there and going, oh, yeah, this I, I now found my home to get back into doing community radio. It just instantaneously, he was talking about some of the challenges and uh, ideas he had. And I was like, whatever I will do. You know, this guy could tell me some ideas and I'm going to run with them. These sound really good. And we just exciting to be a, to have that chance to meet him and then develop and work really close with him for the subsequent years. I mean, his work was, you know, having the, he was one of those people because he founded the station and we were volunteers. And so Jim put in a lot of hours and a lot of time uh, with ideas, but it was very patient and working with people, uh, encouraging people to develop their skills and whatever they were doing in terms of a show. Uh, always uh, finding people to help with the back end. I, I started doing a lot of outreach and then subsequently being the program director with Jim. And it was just, it, it, it was my, it's my greatest working partnership in a work type environment I've ever experienced. I just, words can't describe what a joy it was to be able to work with Jim, uh, learn from him, 
share laughs, share frustrations, and always coming away with just this positive, great feeling that you, you know, it could have been a long day and there were moments where, you know, you'd be plagued with technical difficulties or we're trying to get the transmitter up and a big storm that's icy and we, the, 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 you know, the clock's ticking away. And, you know, we're, you know, we're going to do it and we're going to do it. And just, I don't know, I miss that uh, ability to, you know, bounce ideas off him, but they were just, you know, every time they're wonderful. Like, like I say, it was the best, uh, most enjoyable working partnership in anything I've been involved with uh, to this date. He left something that outlives him. And that was one of the things, you know, when Jim stepped away uh, to spend more time with his family and other projects of his uh, two years ago, um, he um, wanted to make sure the station could outlive him. And I think anyone involved in this kind of project of uh, this magnitude and this impact wants to be able to do that. And Jim uh, left behind a great foundation, a stable foundation to build upon uh, an opportunity in this uh, community for us to, you know, share ideas and share our passions and create conversations. And it's by the citizens and the people of this community doing it, that it's open to anyone. This isn't a platform to, you know, fulfill someone's ego or line someone's pockets. This is for, um, you know, everyone's benefit and not, you know, to be uh, taken lightly. I think, uh, it's something very special and uh, we're forever grateful that this exists uh, on this community. And I think just as an individual, you know, I'm finding this last week, more people talking about, um, you know, Jim that I talked to and they're sharing the stories. I mean, we here at the radio station, uh, you know, know how he worked with us. You know, some of us who got to know him more as a friend know that aspect, but just overall his impact of a really ego-free individual who cared about community and cared about humans and other people. I mean, it's just a legacy of an example of a, you know, we need more people like that. We could go on and on. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, and Jim just, uh, you know, he was just this, like I said, you know, personable, kind, you know, uh, filled with just uh, curiosity, funny. Uh, you know, that's he was a really funny guy and um, and kind of a wonderful enigma because you start to find out these other things like he did, like he was an athlete and he was on a football team and he was in a fraternity and he, all these things that sometimes don't mix up in this sort of like composite that you think of people like, like, like these artsy people are like this and these people are like that. He was just amalgamation of things which made him just vastly more interesting. Hi, I'm Reed McCarl. I am the host of a program called Fuchs that airs on Germantown Community Broadcasting on uh, Sunday mornings from 10 till noon. My first memory with Jim, if I recall correctly, was the first meeting about G-Town Radio. Um, so I think this is, what, 2006 or 2007. Um, my buddy Chad heard Jim talk on WXPN about this exciting new venture he was starting. And so I was at that first meeting uh, all that time ago. And um, my first impression was that Jim was just amazingly unassuming. That's one of the words that comes to mind. Just this beautiful, dry sense of humor. Uh, 
really carefully listened to people. That was another early impression, really seemed to consider what folks were getting at. And um, yeah, so I guess that was my first, my first feelings about Jim, first impressions. Well, the early years were, the early years were uh, enchanting. We were all just a bunch of noobs, you know, um, uh, out on this adventure together, figuring things out as they went. So I think we were all learning from each other in this cramped little room in the upstairs <laughs> of the building. And uh, it was great, you know, I, um, I always just really felt supported by Jim and the family. And I think, I don't know, that, uh, it just felt like a really tight, tight knit community as we were as we were cutting our teeth together. One of the words that comes to mind, which might not at first sound flattering is skepticism. Um, you know, he, he didn't, he had this, he had this beautiful skepticism, not the kind that takes the air out of the room, but this special brand that gave you the impression that you were listening to an incredible, uh, an incredibly thoughtful human being, you know, with a lot of experience behind him. And so that really made me trust him. Um, uh, and he also had this, this way of quietly celebrating and encouraging people. So there's the other side, you know, um, very, very separate from that skepticism, uh, wasn't hyperbolic. So I think that was, you know, that was the way he led this, this uh, it might be cliche, but this quiet strength, you know, uh, uh, buoying people and lifting them up and, uh, and really giving them a sense that like, uh, we're in this together and um, and I'm thinking this through carefully. One sort of piggybacks on one of the things I was just talking about, which it sounds like lots of people have been talking to you about, and that's just his, uh, his encouragement. Um, something that was really beautiful is that he would text me from time to time, and I know I'm not alone in this. Um, he would text me from time to time, and this is including well years after he'd stepped down from the position to just tell me he loved what I was doing. And uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing that can make you cry. You know, this man that has so much on his plate and he's taking the time with all of these relationships he has, which are myriad, to let them know that they matter and that their, their exact little piece of the dream he's honoring. Um, and something I guess I wanna to add to that is that it's, that makes it particularly impressive is that something he used to tell me he used to tell me, Reed, I'm always in the weeds. Uh, and by that, he meant that he was just perpetually busy. Uh, just always had countless projects, countless conversations he needed to get to on top of his job and his beautiful family. And just how incredibly involved and engaged he was in lifting up the people around him and nourishing his community, uh, you know, and to still take the time for the little things that weren't so little namely making people feel like they mattered, you know. Hi, I'm DJ Supatang. I host the Reggae Surge show every Saturday night um, on G-Town Radio around February or the end of January um, 2011. And um, I had the pleasure of him replying back to my application to become a programmer for G-Town Radio. And this was something new for me. Um, I My previous experience was with college radio. And so I was taking a chance now to do radio outside of college. And um, I really wasn't sure 
what direction I wanted to go to. I just wanted to play reggae and hip hop music because um, I'm of Caribbean heritage and you know also American heritage. So I wanted to blend those two cultures together because they are synonymous. And Jim, you know, thankfully, and I, one thing I love about him is that he's very honest, but he's a like a, a a hopeful person. So he was, you know, he contacted me and he said, yeah, you know, I got your tape and I'm not, you know, I, I love the direction where you're going, but I'm still kind of confused as the premise of what you want to do as a show. Um, so he asked me for a demo tape. And <laughs> if you can remember, this is like before the time where um, people were really, people were still doing CDs. So I actually um, pieced together I didn't even have equipment pieced together some music and did a demo demo CD and sent it in. And thankfully he got more of where, where my head was at. And I was very unsure. And I just love the fact that he took a chance on me. Um, and with all the other board members who were on at the time, I got a chance to sit in and elaborate more about my show. And throughout my whole career at G-Town Radio, he's always just been very... Um, supportive of me. There's been times where I wanted to quit and he just said so many reassuring things to me like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great. You know, I love where you're going. I love the rawness. And this is before we were on a dial. So we were just online. So I could play pretty much anything. I mean, even though I chose to um, not play certain things, if, you know, people are familiar with uh, Caribbean music in its essence, but like, um, you know, he, he even would tell me that he listened in and for somebody like him, you know, if you know, Jim, um, he doesn't seem like the person that would, let's say, listen to a certain type of music, but he's super eclectic. <laughs> and, um, I love the fact that he loved not only listening to like the old school reggae that I played, but a lot of the new school reggae. And, you know, I just, I love the fact that he really supported me. Um, even though we did have another reggae show, at the time, um, me being as a, a, a woman um, broadcaster, a woman broadcaster who's playing reggae music, there's not that many here in Philly. Um, he was very encouraging and supportive of me just not quitting. I mean, at, at a certain point, I had uh, two shows on G-Town Radio and he was like, I'll give you any slot you want. He loved it. And I think that's one thing that I know I will miss about him, but the type of person he was and how he exuded that type of energy, it definitely transcended throughout the uh, radio radio station culture. So we have people like Joanna, we have people like Tom and all the other um, broadcasters that are on the station that's been there for, you know, years. They're also encouraging, you know, Joanna is somebody who's new to me. She's our program, one of our program directors or program managers and, she came in full throttle and was just like, yeah, I love your show. Like just super positive. And I felt that in a way, Jim had a hand in that, like knowing to have the right type of people who would um, appreciate every type of broadcaster. I mean, we have, not only do we have music shows, we have um, shows that talk about money, talk about law, poetry shows, shows that talk um, who are just doing stories and it's just like a, um, you know, kind of like a on radio kind of broadcasting of a play. I mean, he, he and 
others definitely played a role, but I feel like him just being that main central focus and being that main person who always was just very open about having different kind of broadcasters and being honest about things. I mean, G-Town Radio didn't happen overnight <laughs> and it definitely used a lot of people who, a lot of helping hands came in with um, building up G-Town Radio and Jim being that leader um, definitely brought in the right type of people who understood the mission, who didn't have any kind of like opportunistic type of goals, but he definitely brought in people who understand that things take time. And if you want something done, you know, you go out and do it. He always encouraged you like, yo, if you that's a great idea. Go out and do it. And we would do it. You know, he definitely was supportive and that attracts a lot of other supportive people. So I know with him being gone, um, that type of mindset will keep going on with G-Town Radio. It, it will never die. Um, and I will really appreciate that type of leadership that Jim exuded through this. I mean, this was, you know, with, with other people, this was something that what back in 2004, I believe, G-Town Radio was, you know, trying to start out and I joined in 2011. So I'm within like that five range year of them just building things up and um he will be missed he will he definitely will be missed but we will carry on <laughs> the legacy in that spirit and um community radio definitely benefited from from that from this person that we that we all love and I'm forever grateful for that <laughs> I will say this that we we as the G-Town family um, just want to say um, thank you to Jim Bear's family. Thank you to your parents for having you and raising you. Um, thank you to his wife um, for loving him and supporting him. Because I'm sure, you know, there were times where things were rough and he had to step in a lot. And he definitely needs to have like a strong family unit behind him. And I want to just say to his kids. You know, you may not remember me. I only remember you when you were little and running around in the studio, but your father was a great man. And um, hopefully you will understand that through time and carry on that legacy because we definitely will carry on his vision of being community and building something from the ground up. Well, Germantown, it's about that time. If you have a story that you want to hear covered, please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com or text infohub to 73224 to start asking us some questions. And additionally, we encourage all of our listeners to text the Equally Informed Philly text line, another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia services. Equally Informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and their team works very hard to bridge the information divide, reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philadelphia. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and the Equal Info Line. It's a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. To start asking questions, you can just text Equal Info to 73224. 
Yep. And that's about it. Remember, I am Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Billy's Freedom Join. And I'm Maleka Fruin with a, ba- with a baby by my side. <laughs> thank you to our guests for joining us today. And thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always, including by you. And until next week, good night, Germantown. <laughs>